Good morning, good day, good evening, whatever time it is that you're listening to us. Thank you for listening to us on Wildfire Tribe. Welcome to today's podcast. My name is Sean. And my name is Kylie. And this morning we will be talking about He Gets Us. You said good morning after I just said good morning, good day, good evening, all of those things. Then you said good morning. (laughs) Well, I thought you'd cover all bases, so I would just go into what it is for us right here in sunny New South Wales on the East Coast. We are enjoying the sunshine Yeah, well, that was great, Kylie, that you just about threw some definition into where we are. But New South Wales doesn't mean anything to somebody in Nigeria. If they're interested in that part of the conversation, then they can... And just Google it. But I imagine that you're not here to know where we are geographically, but you're here to dive deep into the conversation with us. As we unpack today, he gets us. This bounces off the Super Bowl advertising campaign that was on just a couple of days ago, the 15 seconds. So, well, it wasn't 15 seconds at all. It was a minute and a half in total. It was, I believe it was 30 seconds in one half and 60 in the other. Ah, very good. This is an advertising campaign about Jesus washing feet. And the campaign thus far has spent about $100 million and contributions have been made towards that campaign by many anonymous donors. That's what we're going to be, one of the things we're going to be broaching, one of the subjects we're going to be talking about today. We are down by the river. It's a beautiful sunshiny day. There is cloud around. There's a bit of a breeze, thankfully. There's a bit of a breeze and I'm grateful for that because it helps dry the sweat because it's probably close to 30 degrees or something like that celsius Uh, it's a lovely beautiful day towards the end of our summer in australia it's just great to be back here in our river location before we get started before we go any deeper i just wanted to say thank you lord so much that you have created us to be here at this time in this location on this microphone in this time where this person is listening on the other end of the microphone in this time in history when it's possible for us to sit at the river and record on microphones and then go through the process of putting it out there to the world via the internet and all of those things. I thank you that you do not make mistakes in any way that you put us here for this exact time and I thank you that you've helped us to embrace what it is that we do, what we have to share with the world, that you're helping us to have courage, to be bold, courageous, to step out into believing that the life that you have mapped out for us is possible. I just thank you so much Lord that there's people listening. We thank you that there's no separation. There's no separation between you and I. There's no separation between who you are and who the person living in the house next door to me is. I thank you that there's becoming a growing awareness right across religion as slow as it seems to be taking that there is no us and them, them and us, the dirty unsaved and the great saved and all of those discussions, those filthy comments that you hear in church environments as well. It may not be filthy to some, but it's just got me a little bit riled up today when we talk about the subject of Jesus washing feet and exactly what you spoke about, Kylie, with the ad campaign that was on the Super Bowl the other day. It's, of course, stirred up a lot of trouble in the religious world, mainly on Twitter or what they call X now, Facebook and all of those places where the whole world gets to have a say now. There's a lot of controversy. There's a lot of people that are for the advertising. There's a lot of people who don't like the amount of money that was spent 
spent. There's a lot of people questioning whether Jesus washed feet, whether we should, whether Jesus would wash the feet of anyone else in particular. And then there's the great Sean Foyt and Mark Driscoll. Sean Foyt has reposted something online that Mark Driscoll has allegedly said. Do you have that quote there, Kylie, or not? Yes, I do. Jesus washed Judas's feet and still sent him to hell. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's... Uh, a quote that's been reposted so a an american a couple of american people with profiles in the christianity game in the industry of religion have decided that that's their take on the jesus washing the feet of all people and that advertising campaign that was on the super bowl and quite quite frankly that makes me very sad yeah it's craziness isn't it that people even can think that they know that particular people have possibly gone to hell like <laughs> we've spoken on this podcast many times before about hell with you know it's not very difficult these days for anybody to do a little bit of research about heaven or hell or any topic actually in the entire world if you've got the internet if you're listening to us now there's every chance that you've got the internet if you're listening to us now there's every chance in the world that you have access to all the same information that i do and for two people in america with very very high profiles, one in politics and one in the church, to decide that they know that Jesus sent Judas to hell after washing his feet is astronomical. I actually feel like they they have actually posted this just for controversy's sake, to raise their profiles, to get people talking about them. I cannot believe that anybody that has spent time getting to know God, the God that loves any person that has that awakening happen inside of them that most Christian people call getting saved, that you could actually contemplate believing that it's possible that Jesus would wash someone's feet and then send them to hell, the version of hell that we learnt growing up in church that I no longer believe in. Well, it certainly is a blurry space. You know, we, we know ourselves as we are trying to create space in this online world where you're wanting there to be discussion. You're wanting to bring people onto your platform. If we get more people to listen to our podcast, then we can get our um, our podcast into a space where we can create earnings out of it. The same with anybody that's got YouTube channels or anybody that's got ministries or anybody that's got any kind of business that is generating. It, it really requires people to continue to build it and generate it into something big. Yeah. And this is this big blur space that becomes very difficult to know what is really the intention for putting different thoughts or anything out there, isn't it? Is it just what the need to be controversial so that we can constantly be putting ourselves in the spotlight? It's like um, when we realised, babe, remember, say, like the Daily Mail, for example, which is like a massive online publication. It's probably an actual newspaper in the UK, I'm not sure. When we found out that people actually pay for their articles to be published in these spaces where they're, where it looks like they're actually just being reported on, but they're actually creating these scenarios where there's all this swirling around and around and around. Because when you're in any of these spaces, often any kind of publicity is good publicity well, because we it's were, raising your profile. We were shopping in Woolworths the other day and Pink, the musician, was singing inside the shopping centre and the 
it in through the speakers there. And it's no coincidence at all that Pink is currently touring Australia and performing concerts. Is it a coincidence that all of a sudden now we're just hearing her music everywhere that we go or is it all a part of the great big marketing machine that just tells us poor semi-human beings what it is that we should be listening to? (laughs) Is it okay to be controversial about the ad? It seems like, you know, right now we're talking about the Super Bowl ad about Jesus. So we're getting bang for buck out of that ad ourselves. And anybody else that's listening to this will then be able to further the conversation with their friends as well. So that ad that cost, I think during the Super Bowl, it cost... 10 or 20 mil, depending on what you believe to be true, uh, for those couple of ads. That I has, think it cost 100 mil. No, the entire campaign has cost 100. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, cool. There would be lots of people like me that would be thinking, oh, but I thought they said 100 mil. Yeah, and that's the whole point of where I was going with it is it doesn't matter whether it costs 10 mil, 20 mil, 100 mil or $1 billion or 27 cents. The fact is that we're talking about it. Somebody's listening. They will most likely talk to other people about it as well. Sean Foyt, Mark Driscoll have commented on Twitter about it. Yeah. It has multiplied, whatever investment was made into it in the first place, has multiplied many, many millions of times. And the interesting part about it is there's so many different spaces that people get upset about. Some people are upset about the cost that they've spent on the campaign. Other people are upset about the fact that how could Jesus actually love people that are sinners? How could these people say that Jesus just loves everybody? You know, or that we're called to love everybody. Aren't we just called to love the people that are lovable or aren't we just called to love the people that agree with us or aren't we just called to love the people that actually can follow all of the rules that are set out in the Bible that we say are the rules that we need to be living by. Look, there's there's people still in the comment sections of, of these threads about this ad that are declaring that everybody needs to repent and say the sinner's prayer and come into relationship with God before it's too late, before you end up in some eternal pit of suffering when the world ends as it's going to end very soon. You know, there's there's still these people everywhere and I have to be okay with that. I have to be because I'm not doing anything about it. It's very stressful to try and be angry all of the time to try and make a difference, to try and be a person of love when there's people that spew filth like that everywhere but who's to say they're not right Kylie who's to say that my version of what I believe about God is right and somebody else's isn't exactly and you know I think that God in all of his wisdom and infiniteness and Jesus as his son knowing all of those things that God knows and you know doing all of the things that they did together while he walked on the earth and those things that he's putting out there I think he could see throughout all of the ages of time that everyone was never going to agree and that the whole thing about loving our neighbor and love being the essence, the nature of our God and the fullness of who we are created to be is that it is the only way that we can have peace, that we can be kind, that we can be filled with all of the fruits of the spirit, the actual nature and fullness of who we've always been intended to be is to come out of that place of realizing we're never all going to see eye to eye. Like we're never all going to agree on any of these things. And for us to live in the fullness of this life is that the only way forward is to love. And 
to love out of that feet washing love where it's not about I can only love people like me or I can only love you when you finally stop your sinful ways or any of those things. None of this is a surprise to God. I don't think that it is. Like I think that he's pretty much got everything under control. He knows what's coming. He's still allowing for people to have free choice. He's not actually just going, oh my goodness, I didn't see this comment coming out of this ad. Uh, I'm very concerned about the way that things are going. God just loves everybody no matter what and... We're actually supposed to do likewise. Uh, still within the threads of these feeds, I, I see people quoting Bible verses that don't exist. I see people <laughs> saying things like, what about the first commandment? You know, whatever that is, whatever your version of that is. Well, if you're a person who believes who Jesus is and you have had an interaction with him and you believe that he was the son of God cruising around the earth and that you're using his name as as a person on whom you base your life, how is it that you're not aware of him talking about the need for us to love God with all of us and love our neighbours as ourselves? How is it that you somehow skip over that bit that Jesus spoke about? How is it possible? Yeah. How is it possible that we just pick and choose and pick and choose which bits suit us at the time? I just get this constant picture in my mind of, Christians, hateful Christians, you know, Christian people can just be the most horrible people. I just keep on getting this picture of a person, a Christian person, pulling a page out of their Bible, folding it into a, you know, like a paper airplane, you know how you make one of those. <laughs> I can just picture a person folding a page, but in into an arrow and just every verse that's on that page, just throwing it at someone to hurt them. And then that person pulling it out of their skin and doing likewise with their Bible, just throwing arrows of scriptures at each other in hurtful ways. Why do we do this to each other? Why, why as Christian people, are we so horrible? Exactly. Well, John Crowder says in his book, uh, I think it's Mystic Union, he says, love union is not about me drumming up love for God, which is impossible. The first commandment to love the Lord your God is technically still a legal requirement, meaning it falls under the law. It was a lawyer who was questioning Jesus about the law in Matthew 22 when this lofty rule was spoken. Sadly, there are tons of law lovers in the church today. People trying to love God just because they're supposed to. Granted, loving God is definitely the greatest commandment, but it's still a commandment and it is the grand summation of the law. And we know that law does not save us. Now, there's many people outside of the church environment who would call themselves Christians who also seem to have this ability or this knowledge that God has and is using them to be also going into churches to help those religious people, those strict legal minds to come into the knowledge of the love of God. We know people like that. We know people that are the most loving people that you could possibly be around who are in these churches trying to show the church trying to evangelize the church yes and then there's other people such as myself who sometimes find it very very difficult to go near a church because of that horrible screwed up religious face that tells you that you're not allowed to wear an item of clothing in their church or whatever other number of rules they've decided are very important on that day there's so much variety in the world isn't there there's so much variety and there's so many choices for us to make and i constantly feel like once i get over being annoyed with religious people such as 
the comments we've been talking about today, I do calm down and I do find myself in a place of being able to love that person no matter what. And I think for me, my understanding for me is that any emotion that raises itself in me, that makes me angry, etc., it's really just time for me, an opportunity for me to process with God where he wants me to end up after I process the emotion. Yeah, it's true. And I really do think that so much of even just this campaign itself in the way that, so say in one of the 15 second parts, it says, who is your neighbour? And then it says, the one you don't notice, value, welcome. And then in the next piece, it says, people who seem angry, hurt, offended or triggered, help them feel seen, heard and loved. And I think that there's so much just even in the simplicity of questioning who is our neighbour. Does our neighbour really need to be those people that are in sin, as a lot of people would say? But even that itself. Like, I feel like let's go back and let's say, okay, well, what is sin? Is sin really this big list of things that we're not supposed to be partaking in? Or is sin actually simply not knowing who we are? I was just talking to our neighbour this morning just before we left. And I would be very surprised if our neighbour listens to our podcast. I don't think she does, but I'll take the risk. As I was talking to her, she apologised for the noise from a party that she had on the weekend. And I honestly, like I said to her, it doesn't bother me one little bit. I hardly even noticed. I'm happy for people to celebrate all of the time. I'm a non-drinker. I'm a non-alcoholic drinker, although I'd spent many years doing so. I haven't drunk for, I don't know, how long is it? Three years? Yep, almost three years. And the party involved lots of drinking, etc. And I have no issue with that whatsoever. There's no judgment from me towards the people who are at the party who are drinking or not, or the noise that they're making every now and again. And we're called to love our neighbours as ourselves. And so I think that in that scenario, we probably do a pretty reasonable job. And I feel like our neighbours do likewise for us as well. So at home, that is all as it should be. But as soon as you step out in to the rest of the world, it can sometimes be a bit more difficult, can't it, Kylie? So even as you say that, perhaps this whole thing about the church's inability to be able to love their neighbour is actually a reflection of how much they love themselves, which is not much. Which goes back to the definition of sin again, being something more about identity rather than an actual offence. Well, I know for myself, a lot of time in my early church days and, you know, for a long time growing up, I would beat myself up about the things that I wasn't able to to be the rules I wasn't able to keep the things that I felt myself thinking about that I felt like oh that's sinful or I shouldn't be doing that or why do I think that of that person or so you're constantly analyzing and beating yourself up keeping a list yeah it's like the naughty and nice thing oh my neighbor swore oh no two of them are smoking cigarettes my goodness the filthy sinners they're not (laughs) going to be in heaven with me and if they are there must be a different room for them to sit. Yeah, it's crazy. It really, really is crazy. And I think, you know, that's kind of this campaign again to getting back to that about why they chose to highlight Jesus washing the feet of the disciples and just washing people's feet in general. Because what is it in that? Like why in that last supper with his disciples 
did that act of washing the feet become the centerpiece of everything before the whole cross and everything unfolded? That's pretty wild. It once again, and I think this is the beauty of the way that we look at what the grace that was given to us in what Jesus did is that none of it is deserved. So who on earth do we think that we are to cause all of this separation across our world again by thinking that any of us know better about what anybody should be doing or not doing in their life? Have you ever had your feet washed by somebody else? I don't know. I can't remember. I think maybe... I have. I thought that you were there. In Alice Springs, we had our feet washed. Yes, we did too. Yes. By other people. It wasn't an act of, you've got dirty feet and I want to wash your feet. It was one of those acts of, we love who you are and we're humbling ourselves to wash your feet. And it was an interesting experience, wasn't it? When When it was brought up that that's what they wanted to do with us as visitors in somebody's house, it was very uncomfortable being the recipient even. Yeah. Of, you know, oh, wow. I'm not actually comfortable with this scenario, but allowing it to happen for the reason that also you wanted them to be able to do what it is that they wanted to do for whatever reason they wanted to do it. I found it a a very interesting experience to allow somebody to do that to me as well. I don't know that I've ever since then given it too much thought or processed that particularly well as to what that was all about, but we have had it done to us. And I think you're right. You know, there is something uncomfortable about it. It doesn't feel right that somebody should be washing your feet. And I think Jesus knew that. Like that's that was part of why he did what he did. Because even though foot washing, I think in Bible times, was quite a common thing. Like when you come off the dusty streets, you would wash your feet or someone would wash your feet. But the way in which it happened where there, there was no need to do that because they were already in the room. There was already the supper was going on. And it was something that was very, very uncomfortable. And I do feel like there was a certain degree of discomfort when that was happening to us. Like I'm just putting myself back in that situation. But like for Jesus, he rebuked the objections of the disciples when they were saying, no, 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 don't. In fact, Ignatius believed that there isn't much difference between our deepest desires for ourselves and God's desires for us. Most of the work of the spiritual exercises is an effort to answer the question about what do I really want. When we know that, we know what God wants. One sure sign of authentic God-given desire is desire to be directed toward others rather than ourselves. When we wash the feet of, of strangers, we get to feel this in a deeper place and I think that's yeah I think that's interesting so I just read a read a quote from Spurgeon from Bands of Love or Union to Christ the saints were from the beginning joined to Christ by bands of everlasting love before he took on him their nature or brought them into a conscious enjoyment of himself his heart was set upon their persons and his soul delighted in them long ere the words were made his prescient eye beheld his chosen and viewed them with delight strong were the insoluble bands of love which then united Jesus to the souls whom he determined to redeem not bars of brass or triple steel 
could have been more real and effectual bonds. True love of all things in the universe has the greatest cementing force and will bear the greatest strain and endure the heaviest pressure. Who shall tell what trials the Saviour's love has borne and how well it has sustained them? Never union more true than this. And I just feel like even this whole conversation and the swirling around of these events and the way that it triggers people to just have to stand up and start yelling at each other, you, Jesus wouldn't, this is sin, this is an abomination, this is whatever, whatever, whatever. Once again, I'm, and I think we feel this stronger and stronger all the time, why we don't want to necessarily be a part of any kind of organisation or anything that is trying to say we have the answer and all of you guys out there need to get on board with the way that, that we think. Um, but, you know, at the very same time as deciding that that's what we are, are doing at the moment and we walk in constant union with God. It's not like we, you know, we sit down and go, okay, now God, please come close to us or come back inside of us and help us make a decision. We're walking out our every moment of existence, believing that he's in us and we're in him. And we're making decisions based on that alignment with him at all times. And if you are a person who is deciding to be a part of a mystic movement or a, you know, a denomination within a church or, or not in a church or wherever it is that you're deciding to spend your, your time and your energy and your life, we have no right to be pointing the finger at anybody and be telling them, what is right and what is wrong. We don't expect that other people would do that to us. We hope that other people give us the freedom to choose our path that we're living, our trajectory that we're on. So we therefore have to do the same for others. So if you're in a church, if you're in a Catholic church, an Anglican church, if you are a part of a new part of, you know, the mystic movement that's sweeping the world, that thinks that they are learning all of these new things that other people have learned long ago, you know, there's all these people at different places that believe that they have this new revelation of God that sometimes other people have had for centuries. It doesn't matter where you find yourself in amongst it all. It's okay. It's okay from us. We give you permission to be wherever it is that you are on your walk through this life with God in your life or not even actually having an awareness of him. We can't be judging people for that at all and we expect the same in return. I love it. And I feel like that's exactly where we are. And it's this interesting space because, you, you know, when you find a revelation about something, then I think that that's often where something new starts. And you can have, for us, it's like, wow, there's no separation. No separation means there's no separation. It means there's no separation. And then you come into the fullness of what that is. And then you start thinking, well, we've got to get everyone to know there's no separation. Like, <laughs> yeah, because hang on a second, Sean Foyt and Mark Driscoll believe that Jesus washed Judas's feet and then sent him to hell. And we're like, we're very concerned, angry, upset, wanting to shout out that they're wrong. And we're creating this division between us and them saying that we're right and you're wrong. And here's a separation again. But there's not supposed to be a separation because Jesus actually came and did all that he did in his time on earth to actually scrub out those lines of separation. We're all together, boys. We're all loved. There's nothing that we can do to change that. There's nothing that we can do to make God love us any less or any more. 
God's not surprised that we're all fighting over these things. I'm sure he's not like just shaking his head going, oh my goodness, this earth down there is just going to fall to pieces. He's fully aware that this was going to happen. He's just shaking his head and just going, one day they'll come into the fullness of my love and then they will understand that none of these things actually matter. Just as you're saying all of that, I'm just can see this picture of heaven and I can see Judas the king and he's seated on a heavenly kingly throne in heaven because he said yes to an assignment that needed to happen and nobody else wanted. I know. Was there other people there at that meeting before the beginning of time when God had this all planned? Was there a room full of people and God said, okay, now at some time in the future, we're going to need a Judas. And Judas is actually his name. It's not like a part of his personality, but we're going to need a person that's going to betray Jesus, that's going to dob him in. He's going to tell people where Jesus is so they can come and get him and crucify him. Now, this is part of my plan for the future. This is going to happen. I need a volunteer. Are there any volunteers in the room and somehow throughout history we've decided that Jesus who put his hand up for the job who no doubt wasn't actually looking forward to doing it we've somehow decided that he is the worst person in the history of earth I know exactly when what he put his hand up for had to be done for everything to be accomplished the way that God had it planned out before the beginning of time. And I think then people say, oh, yeah, but he committed suicide and you can't go to to heaven if you commit suicide. Well, who said you can't go to heaven if you commit suicide? I just think that I'm getting this, this song in my head. The things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, I think when you're not able to feel the light of his glory and grace, you're not able to stand in that place where you, and you actually become overwhelmed by the world and the circumstances that you find yourself in, you get overwhelmed by the emotions that are attached to whatever your assignment is, whatever has happened in your in the unfolding of your life, and that all just becomes too much for you and you don't want to be here anymore. I just just don't believe that God just throws you into hell. I just don't believe that because there is always and forever the eternal realms of the kingdom within which we can always have that moment where we can come into the light of his glory and grace. And wherever that happens is that space where we can feel him like we are unable to often feel him when we're overwhelmed by the circumstances of the world. And sometimes that just comes out of a place of peace people's meanness and inability to love us where we are. This might come out of a place of being bullied at school. You're so ruthlessly bullied by people that don't know who they are. So therefore, they're just saying all of these things that they're finding themselves able to detach from but you can't when those things are focused on you and we see this these beautiful people that are taking their lives as teenagers and and still not even having even stepped into the world outside of school and all of a sudden their life is over no I don't believe these people are just going to hell I don't believe that but God is just holding our hearts in a way that some some of us just haven't yet got to experience that well I think I get the gist of what you're saying Kyle 
entirely, but it's interesting that we've fallen back into this place of agreeing that hell exists in the way that we ta- we're taught that it exists, even though you and I have come to a, a different comprehension ourselves exactly. anyway. And exactly. now we say, oh, I don't believe that those guys are going to hell. Exactly. Well, hell doesn't exist in exactly. the form that we used to think that it did anyway. Exactly. And that is the whole next space in which we find ourselves landing, isn't it? When we go, well, hold on a sec. We're actually engaging in a narrative of which we don't even believe this part exists. So get your Google fingers on. Let your fingers do the walking. Type into Google, is hell real? Do some research. Go and look up names like Mike Parsons, etc. Yeah. Who teach about these things. And do some research for yourself. Don't believe anything exactly. that we say. Don't believe anything that we allude to be true. Exactly. We don't know what we're talking about. We're just sitting here by the side of the river having a conversation. But my understanding of the very little research that I've done is that there are four words that were translated into the word hell in English that meant different things none of them actually meant the place of eternal torment that was designed for human beings that God created but they've all been translated into the one word and given the one meaning that may be right that may be wrong that's my version of events at the moment I'm comfortable with that go and get your version see what you think about that and then you can start to figure out where it is that all these people that you believe were going to hell or are destined to go to hell are actually going to be Oh, it's just so crazy. It's like if we just as if we get to choose. Like if we could just let go of that one whole twisted mess in itself, it would bring so much freedom to people that are all bound up in religion. The God of love who loves you unconditionally is sending you to hell. Like what, what, how does that even match up? How does that make any sense at all? It matches up, Kylie, because the church needs people to come to it. Okay, so the church has a very real, a very real, very purposeful job for itself that it's created for itself. And that is to tell you that you're loved by a God who created the world, that he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. But once you come to that reality, then you need to make sure that you behave yourself. And the best way in the world that you can behave yourself is to keep coming to my church and I will tell you how bad you are, but don't worry, you're safe. But make sure you come back again next week and we can talk about this in a cycle of horrific abuse. And you keep on giving me money so that I have a job because I don't want to get a job in the real world. I just want to stand up the front of this church and tell you you're a sinner saved by grace. But come back next week, give me some money and we'll go have coffee during the week and play golf and go fishing the church needs you to believe this cycle of abuse so that you keep coming so that they can sit in their fancy buildings and have people mow the lawn for them so they can have people toil away in jobs that they don't want to actually do and bring them money this is where some of the understanding has come from exactly and for it all to cease being this circle of abuse like you're saying is it just takes people to go actually this doesn't make any sense this doesn't line up with the god of love that I have come into union with. And I think for a, for a lot of people, they haven't let themselves be loved by him. So it's easy to think of him as still being this person that would possibly send people to hell because they haven't actually allowed themselves to be loved. My version of the God of love is that he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to spend any more time in a building that you don't want to be in on a Sunday morning when you'd rather be surfing. Exactly. 
He is not concerned that you're not in church on Sunday morning when he's provided glorious ways for you to catch on your surfboard. Yeah. He is not going to send you to an eternal fiery pit. Exactly. Because you didn't go to church and pray every Sunday morning. Yeah. If that is your version of who you believe God to be, then I challenge you as to whether you sat down and given it much thought. Could it actually be God that placed within you the desire to go catch that way? because he knows in that moment when you're standing up on that board and you're flying along that wave that you are closer to him than you are in any other space. I've been to church where people have said I would rather be out surfing and that's where this conversation has just come from just remembering that conversation I've had with a person who actually said to me just before a service I would rather be surfing than up on the stage playing my guitar which I'm just about to do and it's like well why don't you go to the beach then the reason why people don't is because of religion. Religion tells them that there's certain things that they must do to appease an angry God so that he looks down from his lofty position in the heavens, which is somehow separate from where we are, and he sees that his people who would rather be surfing are humbling themselves and going to church to be in a place where they don't actually want to be because they need to tick a box for the God that loves them so much that he hates them at the same time. Exactly. Well, perhaps one of the greatest myths conceptions of the church is that love is even a verb like that love is like this doing word like I just feel like that's I just feel like if you brought it up then maybe you should actually tell me what it is you're thinking Rather than an action, love should be defined as a desire or an enjoyment of something. So if we're loving God, are we coming into desiring to be with him, like to spending time with him and, and just engaging in the enjoyment of our relationship rather than me coming into his presence so that I can do something for him, so that I can be aligned with, uh, you know, or he can show me what it is I need to do is love this doing word that we put so much emphasis on the doing of love the action of love rather than actually the being of love now yesterday was valentine's day kylie yes so yesterday was the day across the world where everybody that is a couple decides that they should all buy roses for each other or chocolates or whatever happens in your neck of the woods and celebrate the love of the person that you're doing life with. Did you feel like that you had a wonderful Valentine's Day with me yesterday, Kylie? Well, I actually felt like it was just as wonderful as every other day. So Valentine's Day for you is every day. Yeah. Because of why? Well, just because you are that person that loves me and and you're not just showing up on Valentine's Day or on my birthday or you're just like showing up every day. Do I find parts of your personality and behavior annoying? Definitely. Do you find parts of me annoying? I would say challenging. Challenging. Yes. So even though there's parts of each other that we look at as being challenging or annoying or difficult, hard to put up with, and we argue and yell at each other and all of those things that you do within a relationship, we still know that we love each other every day of the year 
and we don't actually need one day of the year to tell us that we love each other. Exactly. We don't need to go to church on Sunday to tell God that we love him. Yeah. Because we're in constant union with him at all times and we realize that he is probably not surprised by our behavior, but he also knows that our behavior, the choices that we make, are not necessarily choices that are always ideal, but he loves us no matter what. Exactly. John Crowder says in one of his books, action divorced from desire is religion. We are warned about dead works as much as we are warned about idle hands. Jesus said clearly that if you love me, you will obey what I command, John 14, 15. Surely the qualifier of true love is that it manifests in service just as faith manifests in work. But truth be told, Mary always picks the best seat in the house. There is something far beyond service that is imparted to us as we enjoy the unforced rhythms of grace. True love makes our work seem nothing but a mere trifle, an easy byproduct of a new life. You're infused with energy. People around you will say, look at how you're serving the Lord, but you're drunk with love. You don't even notice that you'd lifted a finger. The greatest saints who paid the most tremendous price throughout church history were the ones who could genuinely say, I was nothing. It was nothing. I was in love. And I feel like... Yeah, you just about slipped up there when you said something about the greatest saints, you know, saying I was nothing. You actually said that, and I know that that was a mistake out of your mouth. But people say that, you know, we, we have pastors and reverends, etc. in our life that say these things all the time. I am nothing. I am not worthy. Well, get over yourself. Like, what do you think the whole point of Jesus coming and doing what he did was for? other than to tell you that you you are worthy. Exactly. Like it's this strange false humility of I am such a lowly servant that I don't even deserve for God to look at me. But God loves you. Exactly. No matter what. Like why would why would God choose not to look at you with love in his eyes? He created you. He knows who you are. He knows everything that you're going to be, everything that you've ever said and are going to say. He knows everything about you and he loves you completely why would you put yourself down ever by saying oh i'm not worthy exactly what are we doing i know john piper quotes in his adaption of the westminster catechism saying god is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him and i think that's the piece that is missing and that's why he's taken us on this crazy adventure that he has where every time we begin to have a dependency on some kind of community or a, a we begin to feel importance or value out of being a part of a movement more than being in relationship with him. He seems to pull us out and take us on another deep dive into his arms and into his heart and into that place where we're sharing and walking in the fullness of relationship with him. And I think that that's where everything has to keep coming back to. It keeps coming back to knowing who we we are in him. And it's that beautiful space of realizing that we can love everyone when we allow ourselves to be loved completely. Well, Kylie, I love you. And as I'm looking at you today, I just wanted to let you know that I think you're particularly pleasing to my eye. <laughs> you're so gorgeous. So in that example, and that is true, that's a genuine comment. But in that example, if you had said, oh, yeah, but you know, what about my 
fat thighs or my wonky ear or my bad tooth or like how could you love me what would that have done to that comment that I just gifted you Exactly. What would it do? Well, it, it would almost like cancel it out. It would be yeah. like, and it would make me feel like, therefore, I need to go one more. I need to go. No, actually, it's true. Like I yeah. do love you. Apart from that horrible growth that's on your ear that you just pointed out. In my early days of walking really relationally with God, like I remember back in the nineties, and I had this this time, like I would always diss any kind of compliments. I could not receive compliments. And I remember one of the very first things that God was walking with me into was just blessing people by receiving their compliments. Because I started to rem- to recall in my conversations with him, he would be saying, yeah, but how does it feel when you say something nice to someone and then they just shrug it off? Or they, or like you say they point out something bad or about themselves or there's like this wall where there's an inability to receive anything that's goodness coming toward you or an acceptance of the fact that you could be this amazing person that he's created you to be so when somebody washes your feet the part of that that makes you uncomfortable is oh my goodness like my feet are ugly, they smell, there's dirt on them. I feel like this is really awkward because that person that is washing my feet, I feel in my mind they, they're they really stooping below their identity, who they are to do this to me. It's quite embarrassing. But even to allow that process to happen when somebody chooses to wash your feet is a gift to that person who has chosen to do so. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that was another one of those things that he gets us off this campaign that they were talking about. Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. Like it's this really, really simple concept of why on earth are we becoming the very opposite? Look down there. There's a snake in the water. Whereabouts? That's a snake, isn't it? Or an eel? Oh, yeah, it is too. Wow. Swimming along opposite the current on the top of the water. And there's a whole bunch of people rowing. The snake is headed towards the rowers. He wants his river back. That's crazy. I've never seen a snake on the river before. Well, you don't say that, Kylie, because we're broadcasting from Australia to the rest of the world, and the rest of the world thinks that Australia is covered in snakes. Don't say, I've never seen a snake. You just say, I have never seen a snake for the last 20 minutes, because everybody thinks that Australia is <laughs> covered in snakes. I have seen snakes in the water out west, but not in this river. Wow, that's so crazy. Yeah, he's going for a swim. So if you have listened to us for the first time today, we thank you so much for joining in the conversation, today's conversation about Jesus washing feet and that Super Bowl series of ads and that conversation around that. We call ourselves people who have real conversations about those mystical and mysterious things, you know, those things that uh, we like to talk about in Christian circles about possibilities and miracles and all things being possible with God. We thank you for joining us for a slice of the conversation today. We have over 50 podcasts available to listen to already on Spotify places such as Spotify. If this is your first time, go back through and have a look at some of the others. There's a variety of topics, a real variety of topics. We thank you if this is your 50th time that you've joined us as well. We thank you for those of you that are supporting our podcast via Patreon. We thank you for those of you that have gone to our website, wildfiretribe.life, and have purchased 
t-shirts and pictures and all of those sorts of things that we also produce we have lots and lots and lots of activities happening in our life that we're bringing to you in constant union with god including artwork including public speaking including what is it that you're making me do next week kylie stand-up comedy no you're not making me kylie reminded me that there was a stand-up comedy gig part of the melbourne comedy festival happening in new south wales australia next week so in between this podcast and the very next one i will have prepared for that and gone and performed that so next time we speak on the podcast we will be on the other side of that and hopefully that'll be a great experience and i will win the night and we'll get to to proceed further on in the competition these things that we do are not possible without people supporting us via patreon and the like so if you feel like this has been a real blessing for you that this has been something that you find interesting that this has some value attached to it then that is a way that you can show that appreciation and join in everything wildfire tribe is go to our website wildfiretribe.life and look at the patreon app there yeah absolutely we just love you guys so much we thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and we encourage you into the fullness of who you are all of those crazy things the desires of your heart just know that he is in you and that in that place all things are possible and all things meaning like there are no lines there's no separations and there is really nothing that you can put your hand to and step into the fullness of that can be outside of him when he is within you so it is crazy as we discover more of the things that we actually can do and be a part of together as we just cheer one another on in whatever expression that looks like so exactly as the campaign says he gets us he really does get us because he is within us he's created us unique and yeah it is just a blessing to walk a little piece of your life with you we look forward to all the unfolding of goodness in front of you this week and also as we discover more of who we are so yeah have an amazing week we love you guys and we will talk to you again next time thanks for listening bye